This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your host that killed his career by taking on the sequel. <laughs> All right. So we are talking Amazing Spider-Man 2, a movie that this is legitimately only my second time watching. I watched it once when it first came out. I remember because I think like, you said I'm good on that. I was living alone and I was watching the movie alone in a dark room <laughs> when I saw it. And I was like, yeah, I'll never have to come back to this again. That's um, the only way to watch this movie in a dark room alone with five o'clock shadow drinking like a bottle of wild turkey. All right. What happened here? Because. <laughs> all right. The last one, they decided that they wanted to, you know, I guess reboot Spider-Man in kind of like a Batman Begins Nolan-esque way where they're like, all right, well, we're going to explain these things from Spider-Man. We're going to show you how, you know, a high school kid would put a suit together, uh, you know, how he like puts together the mask and all that kind of stuff. And they kind of tried to do it that way. And then we're also going to set up this mystery about who his parents were. And you know they decide to pick that up and that movie was you know it's kind of a mess it was it had interesting ideas in it but it was really messy and too long oh Oh, if you thought the last movie was too long boy do i have a runtime for you yeah they decided not only are we gonna do something that's long we're gonna do something that's longer and this and harder this movie is the length of the dark knight (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's two hours and 22 minutes yes and i remember there was one point in the movie where i texted you hey i took a break around the 45 46 <laughs> minute mark now remember i texted you i was like oh cool there was still an hour and 37 minutes <laughs> left in this movie i love this yeah oh it was so fucking ridiculous how 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 long this movie is for no reason yeah seriously i'm really curious as to what happened with this movie because this movie had a bit of a troubled production Mm. what i mean by that is that things were changed uh, from i don't know that it was actually troubled but just weird shit happened because Mm -hmm. all right like the year that this that they first announced this one of the news items that came out was Shailene Woodley, who mm-hmm. like ends up doing those Divergent movies, and uh, I think she's most famous now for being Aaron Rodgers' like COVID denier, like girlfriend. <laughs> Yikes! It really sucks because she actually did do a lot of work in like the early, 
like what 2018 mid mid no 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 i don't i don't care about her no i don't care about the young adult bullshit like that's just not my i'm not the target demo for those divergent movies yeah but i mean she did a lot of like uh, you know uh once what's the word uh awareness and a lot of like campaigning for the keystone pipeline back in like the 2018s i think she was one of the people that got arrested uh, as far as like so she was yeah. like super about she's, the activism she's a yeah she's a weird person she's and now a, she likes crystals and she denies covid <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. absolutely uh so she was at some point um hired to play mary jane watson in this movie that's awkward and somewhere either in mm, post-production or around the time that the movie was coming out they had basically talked about how like her role was either greatly reduced and then by the time you watch the movie you find out that she's actually not in it at all (laughs) and apparently the other person who was supposed to have a bit more of a, a role in this uh was supposed to be felicity jones who you know i had completely forgotten was in this movie and uh yeah it's like this is the first this is the second thing i've ever seen her in besides uh rogue one i i do not am not familiar with the work felicity jones does so the only thing i know her from is star wars and amazing spider-man too she has two very different filmographies as far as you're concerned because yes. i don't know her like honestly that's the thing the, the cast they took a lot of chances on people you know, I think like, they did. They they basically tried to do the Emma Stone thing with everyone, right? Like it's like we talked about uh, last week's movie, how they they picked Emma Stone to play Gwen Stacy at around the time that she was just gonna break through from being like you know the girl from Superbad and kind of like these like minor to like you know larger roles that she was in was she in Zombieland as well she was in like, Zombieland yeah, yeah like she was in stuff like that but after she hit Spider-Man it's like you'd never catch her doing something like that again you know now she's in La La Land and you know known for like Academy like nominated like leading role stuff mm-hmm. and I think they thought the same thing was going to happen with Andrew Garfield I think they might have assumed the same thing was going to happen with Shailene Woodley I think they thought the same thing was going to happen with Daniel another DeHaan. actor. Yes, Dane DeCon. Oh, we'll Dane, get into a little bit later from here. Yeah, because but. before this, the only movies he did was Chronicle. And I think he had like a small part in Lawless, which is, if I remember correctly, that's the movie with like Tom Hardy and, and uh, uh, Shia LaBeouf. Like, it's not bad. It's pretty, it's pretty mm-hmm. enjoyable flick um but yeah like he you know he did these really um these really like small movies compared to what he went on to do you know um actually no not really (laughs) (laughs) i I mean i don't know maybe he's also one of those niche guys like i know he was in that valerian movie that i think bombed (laughs) i don't know i don't know much about his, his career but anyway all right so The other thing we talked about was, uh, you know, it seemed like what they wanted to do with the amazing Spider-Man was set up their own kind of shared Spider-Man universe. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think this one was it became a bigger thing because even after this movie had come out and the word had gotten out that people didn't think it was that good and critics weren't sure what to think about it. 
um, they were like, okay, well, we're still going to continue on with this universe. And, you know, we're going to do Sinister Six and Morbius and Venom and all this other stuff. And it's all going to be a part of this, like, shared Spider-Man universe. But, you know, we probably just don't have to do the Spider-Man portion of it. And it's like, all right, well, what is the point (laughs) of doing this if you're not going to include Spider-Man in all of this? And I think things just moved really quickly. I think Sony saw, like, the reaction was severely lacking and underwhelming. And it really is two years after this that Captain America Civil War comes out and Spider-Man is all of a sudden brought into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yep, and that was a huge game changer, which I mean... It's, it is now, because yeah. the movie that we're watching now is the third Marvel Studios Spider-Man movie. So, um, hey, this new series went further than that old series did. So there, there is that. Is it still the best series? Depending on who you talk to, it might still be the Raimi series. I don't... Well, I like See, the Spider-Man Raimi has, series. Spider-Man struggles to hit uh, stick the landing on third installments. Yeah. Actually, yeah. you can say that about a lot of superhero movies. Batman, Dark Knight had trouble sticking the landing. You know what? I would argue that I have gone back and seen Dark Knight Rises in the years mm-hmm. since. And while there is a lot of dumb shit that happens in it, it is a movie that has aged better than you might think. Better than you think, less than you'd hope. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I don't want to over. I don't. I also don't yeah, want don't to do that thing it. where you oversell things and then we review it and I just like yell at you <laughs> yeah. for two hours. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we'll eventually get to it because we've already done Begins and Dark Knight. So I'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> oh, man. So my first experience with this film was literally for this episode because I've never seen Amazing Spider-Man before this. Amazing Spider-Man 2 before this. I just remember hearing all the bad media and just remember seeing how bad uh, Electro looked in this movie. And I was just like, you know what? I'll just read the Wikipedia synopsis. And I never did. <laughs> and here we are <laughs> now talking about it in year three or year two. What are we in anyway? <laughs> year two of our podcast or year three of our podcast? I'm so bad with time. We're actually like at the end of year three and we'll be in. We started this in January of 19. Woo! Lasting longer in the Confederacy. Suck it! (laughs) So we're actually about to hit year four in 2022. Oh, this is going to be the darkest year of our adventures if you thought the last (laughs) year was dark. Oh, man. So, I don't know. Anything else you want to talk about? Anything else? Or should we just jump into it? Yeah, we should probably just jump into this because this is one hell of a long movie. (laughs) So this movie tries to, I guess, like starts off picking up where I guess the prologue of the first movie left off. Yes. (laughs) Because if you remember the prologue in Amazing Spider-Man 1, uh, Peter's parents like leave him with, I was about to say abandon him. (laughs) But I don't want to be too biased against Mary and Richard Parker. But they end up leaving him with uh, oh my god, why am I blanking on Ben and and I was about to say Mary Jane. (laughs) bomb ben and may's pretty much doorstep and while they as they raise the child um you find out that they're scientists and they're they've gone essentially rogue and they're like taking away their their research before some evil entity 
who's never really named, but you're kind of left to assume is probably Oscorp, <laughs> is trying to get their research back. And so they board this, uh, they board this like private plane and they're trying to, uh, I'm assuming, upload the information to like a cloud drive or something. I don't know. Like, did they ever mention what they were trying to do with that? It's all very nebulous. And to be quite honest, I didn't understand it. And I think they kind of explain a little bit more of it in, in the rest of the film. Is it satisfying? I don't know, but <laughs> did I mentally check out? Probably. <laughs> anyway, at this point, they find out that one of the pilots was actually a hired assassin who killed the pilot, which is a great idea. Let's kill the guy that's like you know flying your plane. Clearly, this is this guy's first day at assassin job, and then he ends up getting into a fight with Richard uh, Parker, in which they end up shooting Mary, and. <laughs> And as they like fight for the gun, like Richard ends up shooting the the window out, and all I could think about is, uh, was it Goldmember? No, Goldmember, Goldfinger. <laughs> Which one was the one, the James Bond movie where he shot the uh, airplane, and then a dude got sucked out through the hole? Uh, talking about Dark Knight, right? No, no, no. I'm talking about in James Bond. Oh God! Yes, we did watch one of those, and I can't remember now. Oh man, you love that gag. We reviewed it for the show too, right? It was yeah, there's there. there's a clip on the IG page I think, I of think, us losing our shit. How stupid that was! Right. Um. I. It's either Diamonds Are Forever or um or uh one of the uh Roger Moore ones. So I really wanted the assassin to get sucked out through the. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's. I kind of always wonder if they'll do something like that in movies, but no, apparently James Bond is the only one with the nuts to do it. <laughs> Those cowards. <laughs> Fucking do it, you cowards. And and anyway, the movie, or, you know, this scene ends with uh, essentially Richard Parker committing suicide by, you know, shooting himself in the back of the head twice. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. He didn't die like that. They just died in a plane crash. But, you know, I was telling Angel I have to do a Epstein didn't kill himself joke because that's definitely what this felt like. It felt like they were trying to cover up a uh, trying to cover up some shit by making it seem like an accident. Um, But yeah, that kind of takes us into the present day where it's been two years after Kurt Connors had the great idea of trying to turn everyone in New York into lizard people. And you know what? That speaks to the resiliency of New York as a whole, who just two years after a madman tried to turn everyone into monsters, they're just like, eh, it's a living. And they just keep on keeping on. But the movie, but the actual present day part of the movie opens up with uh, Peter on his way to try to stop a, uh, trying to stop a, what's it called? A, a hijacking of what appears to be an armored, uh, armored van. And the police chatter openly says that they're carrying plutonium in like, like weapons grade plutonium through New York inside of this one armored van. And the entire time I'm thinking, who is the idiot that okayed just sending one armored van? And two, why would you send it through one of the most populated cities in the entire planet? <laughs> <laughs> you're just sending it with plutonium which can eventually just turn into a you can just 
just nuke New York completely on accident because you ran over a pothole, you know? Like, I was like, this is stupid right from the beginning. It I is do- pretty ridiculous. Um, the, we, this is also our first appearance of Spider-Man, and the costume has been completely altered to, to match more of the both Raimi Spider-Man and be more quote-unquote comic accurate, which because apparently fans complained a lot about the look that he had in the in the last movie in this franchise this costume is very ultimate spider-man like he has the big wide eyes yeah like it has the 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 slender like red and blue frame on it like yeah it, it does look a lot more comic accurate but if you want like another indication of what this movie's about they are not going to explain at all how he did this costume and uh, yeah, I don't know. It just as as you're talking about with this, you know, potentially fatal atomic <laughs> destructive opening scene, like they are right away pulling away from what they did in that last movie and really just trying to bring us back into Raimiverse Spider-Man. Yeah, because it's all goofs. It's all done for the yuck yucks. <laughs> It's all done with goofy shit. It's all people in the streets of New York, the ghost Spidey, Spider-Man, and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And and I think the problem is that while it felt so natural in Raimi's Spider-Man, it feels forced here. Yep. 100 like forced here <laughs> like one of my favorite things was the the acting of watching the youtube videos on on you yeah the youtube videos about the extras in uh <laughs> in spider-man like the raimi spider-man movies and how the overacting gave you know gave them character in this one there's just there's no overacting but it still feels so forced anytime someone's happy to see spider-man I'm just like, you could not give a shit about this dude in the last movie. (laughs) And I think it's weird because I guess you can argue two years has passed. So he's had two years to build his career as a crime fighter. And like, yeah, okay, I get it. But as an audience member, it gives me nothing to give a shit about. Like, because like if I didn't see it happen on screen, I'm left to assume it didn't really happen, period. Unless it's mentioned or unless, you know, there's something alluded to it. But, they, you know, it just, because they start in the middle of it, all of a sudden everyone's just like pro Spider-Man. It feels weird. Anyway. Yeah, so now it's like he's working with the police. NYPD actually likes Spider-Man, even though technically he may or may not have gotten Captain Stacy killed, <laughs> depending on how nasty you're feeling. But anyway, this all results in uh, Spider-Man recovering the plutonium and ends up just kind of leaving it webbed up throughout the city. And he ends up stopping the villain who's played by uh, Paul Giamatti. And it's actually, um, crap, I forgot what the guy's name is. It's like Alexei Sestevich. Uh, but he go, but you know, very eagle-eyed Spider-Man fans will definitely know who that's supposed to be. This was kind of a mini comeback for him, too. I mean, like, he was already doing a bunch of really good, like, indie stuff and kind of Oscar bait movies, but he, like, he would do this, and then the next year, you know, he would be Jerry Heller and Straight Outta Compton, which was, like, a huge role for him. I don't, he was, I think, I don't know if he was nominated, but people were considering him for supporting actor. They were saying that he should have been supporting actor, and he might have been nominated in another non-oscar award for that so yeah definitely around this time Mm -hmm. he's not the only 
Oscar nominated slash winning actor that we're going to see in the cast of this movie. Oh man. So it's like after, so after he's able to, to recover uh, the plutonium, Peter has visions of uh, Captain Stacy uh, played by Dennis Leary in a non-speaking cameo, I guess, where he's just kind of there and he just like stares down Peter um all the while like peter's talking to gwen on the phone who's trying to get him to come to their high school graduation when she nearly misses but he ends up making it just in time to get his diploma but we also get to hear gwen stacy's uh valedictorian speech oh my my god (laughs) if they ever painted a giant red target on a character it was that speech Dude, no, it's there's another movie that does something as obvious as this. And I'm spoiler alert for the movie that I'm about to mention. Spoiler alert. Please turn it off if you don't want to hear it or skip for like the next 30 seconds. All right. Now that you're all gone, the other movie that does something this blatant is there's a scene in Skyfall, the James Bond. But we're going to be talking a lot of James Bond, I guess. But there's a scene in Skyfall where uh, Judy Dench's character of M is giving one of these like insane speeches about how you know how her agents need to uh, need to work in the shadows because we live in a world now where nothing is in the shadows anymore and all this other, like it just turns into this grand speech that like tells you i am dying before this mm-hmm. movie ends and you might as well just paint a sign on the back of on her back that says dead meat it's the same thing with fucking all the speeches that harvey dent gives in the dark night yeah. it's like any it's the same thing as samuel jackson giving the rally cry in deep blue sea right before he gets his ass ate <laughs> <laughs> like there has been like just put a giant fucking ticking like clock till gwen's death death of palooza or something <laughs> Yeah, it was this that like just made me think. Okay, we're not waiting three movies for this. Uh, Gwen is dying now, and also because sense. we knew that they were introducing Mary Jane originally. Yeah, you know no. the idea was that they were gonna kill Gwen Stacy, and then Mary Jane was gonna be the one. And yeah, no badge between the veg for Peter Parker. You know, I zero interest in Shailene Woodley's uh, Mary Jane, so I'm very glad that this was canceled. <laughs> you know, like. And that's the thing. This movie, the one thing I don't think we really talked about is like the pacing of these movies are really weird because they also take place over such a like awkward amount of time. And when Sam Raimi did that, at the very least, it felt like he had context clues that kind of gave you like the passage of time. Um, like I think Spider-Man One is definitely focusing on like his his first year as Spider-Man from being amateur crime fighter to finally fighting green goblin at the end of the movie right but you get to see passage of time like you know like you know he graduated high school you know he uh makes it through the summer you know he's uh getting to college you know he you know they have the scene where him and uh norman have the really awkward like thanksgiving dinner like there's things to tell you time has passed by in this order and what's weird about this movie is it doesn't have that like i think this it feels like this movie takes place over the course of like i don't know a year and a half or something like that Mm -hmm. 
because they graduate the movie in the or they graduate from high school in the beginning of the movie, and then I guess. Well, I guess Gwen by the end of it is supposed to be going to London by like what appears to be her sophomore year of college. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's never really like it's never really like uh it, it's never really like elaborated on. Which I guess if you want to introduce a character like Mary Jane, you could theoretically do it if you're doing it that way. But it would just be super awkward to me to have one love interest die and immediately introduce the new one. <laughs> and especially, like you said, especially since it's Shailene Woodley. And nothing against her. Like, I, I don't know much about her enough to judge whether she's a good actress or nothing not. Nothing against her, but we did talk about how we thought, the well, I talked about how I thought the relationship between uh, Peter and Gwen was, was really, I liked it. I definitely enjoyed it more than the than the Peter Parker MJ stuff in Raimi's Spider Man. Yeah, better than Kirsten Dunn's bitching at Tobey Maguire for two and a half. Years. Yeah, it was definitely like like a whole hell of a lot better than that. And um, you know, I yeah agreed with you. Like it's hard to introduce something right after that, or if it would have been something during that, because I just can't imagine that they would have the same charisma. Not to mention to get meta about it. At this time, Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone were actually dating. I don't know what it is about like Spider-Man and his love interest that like all of these actors end up at one point like dating their love interest in Was real Tony, life. Did Tony McGuire date Kirsten Dunst? I don't know. I don't know, man. That might be the exception. That might be the exception. But yeah, yeah you got Zendaya and uh and Tom Holland now. Yeah. <laughs> um oh yeah, fun fact about the uh speech that Gwen gives. Emma Stone wrote that like herself. So if you want to blame her for any or if you want to blame someone for all the melodramatic imagery in that in that speech, it's all her. <laughs> I would not. I would not blame her for that. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it's the speech a valedictorian at a very prestigious science nerd high school would give. You know, it's all about yeah. hopes and dreams and especially like, no, I mean, if she wrote it, good for her. She wrote it really well in character. Right. Anyway, so finally we get introduced. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. Before we, we get to that, um, Peter continues to have uh, weird visions of uh captain stacy and apparently this has been a problem their relationship in the last two years because as as he shows up to dinner with um gwen and her family he essentially tells her he can't keep doing this to which she responds you mean being with me and they have a quick blowout fight where it appears that um where, where Gwen tells uh, Peter that I'm dumping you, I broke up with you, as she leaves him and uh, she storms in to go, uh, you know, go have dinner with her family. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter is just kind of left to be a sad boy. Uh, it's during this time that we get introduced to Harry Osborne, played by Dave. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A lot of shit happens where you're introduced to Norman Osborn for the first time in the series only for him to immediately die. (laughs) Dude, there is... This is the first part where I'm like, yeah, they tried to cram too much into this movie. 
because a there is absolutely no indication that peter knew a harry osborne in this universe he was a loner so now it's like okay we're gonna introduce a character that you haven't met before it's a rich kid that apparently went off to some boarding school for years it just happens to be back after high school graduation Mm-hmm. that was the moment that he decides to come back and i guess it like coincidentally like lines up with you know when norman is dying um i thought that they were gonna save norman for amazing spider-man 3 yeah i thought that the idea was that he was just gonna be the shadowy controlling figure that like you know may put everything into motion for that last like you know chapter when we would finally get green goblin versus spider-man and this character gets introduced he's played by dane dehan and i get not wanting to do the james franco stuff and wanting to do something completely different you know making it your own Mm -hmm. it's the hard part about stepping into a lot of these roles because so many of these roles were played by different actors just three four years ago yep (laughs) And I think it's the thing that everyone's going to run into with Batman and, and Alfred and Commissioner Gordon is like the fact that we're, we're just we're rebooting things so quickly now that like, you know, I, I can't imagine actors like you, they have to find ways to, to both pay tribute to what's come before, but also try to make it their own. Well, the same with like Joaquin way. Phoenix and like Joker as well. Right. Think of it this way. You mentioned Commissioner Gordon over the course of like 12 years. Jim Gordon will be been played by Gary Oldman, J.K. Simmons, and whoever's gonna play him in the Batman with Robert Benson. <laughs> it's um Jeffrey Wright. I'm cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not mad. But oh, you, know, you have like, not seen any trailers for this. I mean, I've seen the trailers. I just don't know who Jeffrey Wright is. Jeffrey Wright is um, if you've seen Westworld, he's in that. And he mm-hmm. also plays Felix Leiter in the new James Bond movies, uh, starting with Casino Royale. That's such a James Bond name, Felix Leiter. I can. <laughs> yes. It just feels like it. Yeah. But anyway, just just, just uh, look look up a picture of Jeffrey Wright. You have seen him in stuff. I'm sure I have. He is but, a guy um, that you will recognize, and right away you'll probably have known him in something that I haven't seen him in yet as well. So. Uh, what anyway, I, it's, what I did want to say about um about a new Harry, yeah, about new Harry Osborne. Oh, I have seen him. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but what I did want to say about um new Harry is, and I think um Jesse Eisenberg kind of experienced the same thing when he stepped in the role of like Lex Luthor. Um, the thing is, like, I get wanting to do a character that's so different from from the original or from what you're going to be compared to, but there are some times where it works and sometimes it doesn't. You know, Joaquin Phoenix probably had to deal with having to be compared to Heath Ledger the entire time. He went out and did a completely different version of the Joker, and it worked out. And this guy is probably going to be compared to, to James Franco because it's not like Harry Osborn wasn't played by some nobody. I mean, it's James Franco, whether you want to, you know, before he became a total tool, he was actually a good actor, you know, <laughs> or he still is a good actor. He's just a piece of shit. Anyway, like, the, like I guess the thing is that when you try to radically change what the portrayal of a character, and you can blame this on writing, I don't know how much DeHaan was uh, really allowed to do um 
you know, as far as what liberties you can take with the character. It's just like he goes to sociopath so quickly that it gives you no reason to give a shit about Harry as a character. Yeah, Harry it's shows like, up as a villainous character to me. Like, like at least Raimi gives you three movies to watch the transformation and you actually learn to empathize and you care about the character and you do see him as Peter's friend before they become rivals and enemies. And like you actually go through an entire journey with him as a side character, and it's like you don't get that shit. And so by the time you get to the twist ending of this movie, I'm like, you, I saw this like two hours. I saw this coming two hours ago. <laughs> well, and yeah, and then you also got Norman Osborn played by gosh, I forget what the actor's name is, but I've seen him in stuff too. Um, and yeah, you're just gonna have Norman Osborn show up to do nothing more than tell Harry. Hey, I've been terminally ill with this thing. And guess what? You You've got it now. And guess what's uh, stupid? You're gonna die too. <laughs> and uh yeah, you're probably gonna die from it. Uh you're probably it's it's gonna hit you, affect you maybe even quicker than me because I've kept myself alive all these years doing God knows what. Here's my life's work. I've been sucking time to, time to flatline. <laughs> I've been sucking stem cells from fetuses for years. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty much the uh he's pretty much the emperor from Star Wars. So yeah, if you thought you were gonna get like you know Green Goblin versus Spider Man and Amazing Spider Man three, well, you just go fuck yourself because that's yeah, absolutely for- not what you're getting. Shut up, you stupid fucking nerd. <laughs> anyway, so finally, all this takes us to who you believe to be the main villain of the movie. Good old Max Dillon, played by Jamie Fox. The second Oscar, you know, contending slash winning villain in this movie. Um, you know, you and I have talked about this offline. Mm-hmm. Why would Jamie Foxx take this role? And I think you mentioned that, you know, someone probably pitched it to him in a way that sounded much more interesting than it ended up being. Um, because Jamie Foxx is only two years removed from Django Unchained, which I yep. think is maybe his third or second best role. Like, you know, after Ray Charles, I think Ray Charles is top. I think Django might be the second best, and I'd probably, I'm a huge fan of Any Given Sunday, so I'd probably <laughs> be even as like the third or second. I was going to say it goes Ricardo Tubbs, Demon, <laughs> Django. <laughs> i honestly feel that the way this character was like sold to him by his agent or whoever was trying to shop the script over to him and mind you i haven't read anything so i'm going completely off my own brain piece here i think they probably told him you are going to play someone that uh essentially is like been forgotten about by society never had power and you're suddenly given power and you can finally do whatever it is you want. And he's probably like, okay, I could probably do some interesting stuff with that. Now, and, my question, and then they put him in the... My question is, is this what Electro is like in the comics? Or do you would you know? So Max Dillon, it depends which one they're going for. All right. It looks more like Max Dillon from Ultimate, Ultimate Marvel. Which, if they are Max Electro, and that is like a superpowered hitman that kills people without zero problems. He's not a science nerd. He was like, again, 
pro- like if I remember correctly, he was probably the byproduct of a super soldier like experiment gone completely wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. So now he makes his money just being murderer for hire. And I don't think he had anything to do with like Oscorp or anything like that. I could be wrong. We sh- maybe we should reach out to Jose. <laughs> he might be able to set the record straight. But as far as I know, Electro is not like this. Not to this extent, you know. Mm-hmm. And my problem with this, and we were talking about it a little bit earlier, is that the big thing that they're trying to hammer home in this movie in 2014, mind you, is that social, and you mentioned it when our text message like combo, is that socially awkward means evil. It means bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes the character that is already kind of ostracized by society and makes them makes them out to be like othered and then makes you feel like they are going to snap. Um, and, and what pisses me off is it kind of like takes this, it takes the trope that we've all joked about at one point, be nice to the weird guy at work because you never know when he's going to go post at your office or yeah. be nice to the weird kid at school because if he gets bullied, he might come back as a lone wolf shooter, you know, like it, right. It just, it puts all the it puts everything on people who are surrounding these people and removes the responsibility from them and i think besides the fact that this is such an overused trope in movies and in supervillain stuff too because wonder woman 84 does it like even wonder woman 84 does it it's just all this like shit about like nerdy awkward people like become like just supervillains and you know it's it's uh, I, I just it didn't seem like something that that felt very in the spirit of this last movie, and it, I don't know. It felt like beneath uh, what an actor like Jamie Fox would be playing. If you want like, my honest opinion, like Jamie well, Fox was a leading man at this point, and to have him play this really not even like main villain, like it it, it it's kind of like the Bane in Nolan's batman thing where like you thought he was going to be a main villain and then Mm. in many ways he ends up kind of just being the henchman of another villain also and uh it just it's it's it just screams missed opportunity for me because obviously you know you had the chance to do something you're you have a a black actor who's playing a character who seems to be predominantly white in other uh mediums and... A well-known character, by the way. Electro is one of uh, Spider-Man's like more notable rogues gallery. Like, obviously, yeah, there are people that will fuck up his life. Guys like Venom, guys like Carnage, guys like uh, Green mm-hmm. Goblin, for example. But this so is like one of the classic villain. Like, he is in those me and the boys memes. Like, exactly. that's how classic a villain he is. Like, it uh, was a big deal when Electro premiered or debuted in the comics, I mean. Um, the only version of this character that I'm familiar with besides it, that, that it just like sticks out in my mind besides watching this is that MTV Spider-Man cartoon from the early mm-hmm. 2000s that was supposed to be kind of like a, the idea was, yeah, the idea was that it was supposed to be a companion piece to the Raimi movies as they mm-hmm. were coming out. I remember um one of the episodes of that series really the one i remember the only one i remember is uh it's peter in college and uh max dylan is one of his friends in school 
and I guess like he is pledging for a fraternity or he's just bullied by a bunch of guys who are pledging a fraternity Mm -hmm. and uh, they cause him to electrocute himself somehow and like he becomes electro through some sort of cruel college prank (laughs) and uh and he like you know tries to take revenge on everyone on campus (laughs) (laughs) and yeah that's pretty much the running theme with electro and like in a lot of these stories so maybe it is like that he's super nerdy and gets powers and it's I, like, what I'm excited about, you know, is that even though it is a huge letdown in this, like just the way I don't like I legit don't think we're going to talk about him much as it pertains to this story because it feels so secondary. Um, no, he's what, just he's used as a tool the rest of the film. He's just, right. like you said, he's Harry Osborne's like henchman, like lackey. Yeah, yeah. he's just <laughs> henchman the rest of the film. And you're like, oh, this is a waste. Yeah. So I well, the only thing that kind of excites me about it is that he is going to come back for some sort of small role in No Way Home. And it looks like yeah. they are making him a lot more comic accurate and just look a lot cooler. Um, I think the other oh, thing yeah. too is that you're gonna if you're gonna cast a black actor in this role and you're gonna put him in a position where you can't see his black skin, like I know that there's mm-hmm. like a, a problem with that too, where it's like every single time that you know you do it with CGI or animation, it's like you're taking away a, it it was one of the criticisms his blackness. <laughs> yeah, like it, it was one of the criticisms when uh that Pixar movie Soul was gonna come out, right? It's just like you spend all this time like drawing black characters and your main character is basically going to be a blob for the entire movie. So, um, you know, again, conversations that are not for us to 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 give any opinions that are finite on uh, just things that you notice. And again, it's just more signs of a missed opportunity with this character. But I did want to say what I did like they did in this movie was. Like I'm a like I, like even though I felt weird about the trope, I do like the way they introduce Electro, where he's like he's just a scared dude that has no control over his powers. Yes, and he you know he's obsessed. He becomes obsessed with Spider Man because Spider Man showed him a little bit of kindness on his birthday, and then the and then of course it gets problematic because then it's like well be we you know be nice to the weird guy or else they'll get obsessed with you whatever, but um. You know, like the during the fight scene in um in uh what's it called? Uh when they're in Times Square and uh Spider-Man uh fights uh Electro. Like what I do like and I think they did really well was the lead up to the fight where Peter does everything he can to try to defuse the situation. And it's like he 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 remembers who Max is, he tries to talk to Max as you know a person not as like a perpetrator not as a villain just like someone going through a hard time and you know like i love the way he he because that is something big about spider-man like people like always think about um oh yeah he's a character that's funny and goofy but at the same time he's very he's like a very compassionate character he like give he actually gives a shit about his villains i much like, much I, like the flash you know i really liked the portrayal of Peter Parker and Spider-Man in this mm-hmm. way more than I did in that first movie. Yeah. I think there was a lot of course correction here. I think the fact that it does, this movie was shot in New York. I think it's the only uh, Spider-Man movie to be completely shot in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, they spent some real time on actual streets. 
Um, and they brought back kind of that feeling, even though, again, we talk about how it feels forced, but it is this more feeling of Spider-Man in his community. And Mm. he felt more like the hero of New York than in that bizarro ending with all the cranes in the last movie. It's just, and they didn't have to do anything in this movie, like the train scene in Spider-Man two, which, you know, as great as Spider-Man two is, it, it, it might be a touch too dramatic to do something like that in a modern comic book movie um i do like the fact that not only do people appreciate spider-man for saving them i think andrew garfield does a fantastic job at making it feel mutual in this Mm. like they 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 are as good for him as he is for them and it makes for much more of a sympathetic hero and someone that you want to root for um in this yeah like it's awesome the way he he like he just sounds like it 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 does a really good job like making the character human again because you're so used to him being like a kind of a caricature caricature character like someone that's funny someone that's goofy someone that's lighthearted, and it just like also shows andrew garfield's range that it's like yeah he can also make this character grounded in reality and serious um I, I love the scene where i love the scene where he's trying to talk down max i love the scene where like his little interactions he has with people as he's saving them i love that he works with you know the new york fire department to like shoot down uh max with the hose to like short circuit his powers and for some fucking reason he's wearing a firefighter's helmet <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's little goofy things like that that work and mm-hmm. even and it does make me be a little bit more because I used to be really hard on um, on Garfield's like portrayal of Spider Man and Peter Parker. It does make me like like this movie does kind of kind of save that for me. Yeah, it's it softened it up because I thought that his Spider Man was good last time. I just didn't care for Peter Parker. This mm-hmm. one is still a little bit of emo Parker, but it's because he's not in high school anymore. They're not forcing him to be in high school anymore yeah. when he's clearly too old. Like I can fully accept him just being like a college aged student, even though he hasn't started college yet. Uh, the idea that he hasn't figured out what he wants to do feels fine. It's less of the kind of comedy stuff from Raimi where he's just kind of like a pathetic adult. <laughs> this is a little bit like less, like less ridiculous in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the only problem is that, you know, the, someone who suffers from all the other things that this movie is going to try to focus on, because besides just Electro and uh, I'm not crazy about the music in this anymore. I guess Hans Zimmer took over from James Horner, who did it. It's it's not as bad as last time, but it's not much better, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it's there's that weird like kind of musical aspect to electro which makes little to no sense to me um and then we get this other shit like you know we're introducing the ravencroft institute and yeah uh, did i hear the uh was there like a weird thing where as electro is kind of like going crazy there's like weird musical stingers that play along with who i can only assume was little john uh, yeah, I I don't know if that's something Jamie Foxx recorded himself, but it's just like a bunch of it repeating stuff that's been said to him. They they, yeah. they lied to me. They they tortured me. They something me. I don't know, but it's just like you do hear it in whispers, like with this weird guitar or like weird like Hans Zimmer sounds in the background. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. 
uh, it's too I was weird. like, I'm, yeah, I'm like, I'm not a huge, you know, that would be great in, say, Into the Spider-Verse, when a movie that already kind of plays off music. Yeah, but Into no. the Spider-Verse does fantastic music. Like, that oh, is, 100%. to me, to me right now, like, that is the high bar for music in a Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. It is the absolute best. Um, and excited, you know, that, that, that we know we're going to get more of those movies so god bless us all um (laughs) so yeah like you were mentioning they introduced the uh ravencroft um which is a i believe it was it's supposed to be like the equivalent of arkham asylum yeah it's kind of like marvel arkham (laughs) (laughs) and that's kind of where they that's where they store uh max and he starts getting uh tortured and experimented on by a german scientist by the name of ashley kafka who doesn't really matter for the rest of the movie and that's pretty much where they store away uh electro until he's needed for more plot devices (laughs) because from here on out the focus is really just kind of on harry osborne harry osborne was was thrown into the ceo position of oscorp when he comes does that happen like does a 17 year old like we don't even know if he's eighteen yet. Like he's supposed would... to be twenty. They mentioned it some. Oh, okay, all right. Well, even then, that... though, I don't want to. How do he and Peter know each other? That doesn't make any sense to me either. Richard worked at uh, Oscorp. Yeah, but I don't know. The he fact was working that on the, the project. The fact that they're about three years apart, like I two to three years apart. I don't know, like how realistic it would be that they really got along that well. You and um, me get along well. We're two years apart. That's true. But we grew up together. Yeah, of. but we grew up together and we're actually related to each other. It's a well, little we actually different. kind of like each other sometimes. <laughs> but um, uh, I mean, that's the, what they're trying to deposit. They're trying to deposit the kids grew up together. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I don't own any multi fucking million dollar businesses, but I don't, definitely wouldn't throw my goddamn twenty year old son to be the CEO if I croak. You know, like. Like, yeah. at least give him some time to grow up and mature. Because me at 20 years old, I could barely fucking put my pants on without, like, shitting him or something, you know? Yeah, like, he's basically in charge of this company now and basically decides to make everyone report to his father's assistant, played by Felicity Jones. Which... You know who she's supposed to be? And I just found that out. Is she supposed to be Black Cat, who is Felicia Hardy? Oh. Well, because yeah. in, in the in the characters like listing on IMDB, they only refer to her as Felicia. Mm-hmm. So it's like, all right, well. Yeah, I'm like, that means nothing to me. But I'm like, I guess that makes sense. So all right. Well, there you go. Then 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 she would have been somebody, and that's why you got Felicity Jones to do that. Yeah. Um again, it's just we they in, imply some sort of romantic attraction between the goblin and her and okay so what is what is because there's more than one goblin in spider-man right like it's not just green goblin there's green goblin hobgoblin i think there was like a red goblin and then there's there's some newer goblin a couple years back all right so is harry osborne one of these characters in comics i think he's the hobgoblin if I remember Great. Correctly. So the villain in this is the Hobgoblin. He's supposed to. All right. All right. Because I was going to start calling him Green Goblin for the rest of this movie, but <laughs> Hobgoblin is probably more appropriate. Let me double check. Actually, right. I think I'm hella wrong. Oh, all right. I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, Harry Osborne does play, does become 
um, the Hobgoblin at some point, but there's a lot of Hobgoblins. All right. Well, whatever. As long as this is some, some got some kind of relation to comics lore, that's fine. Uh, let's just call him the goblin <laughs> yeah well, just, you know this movie doesn't even give a shit who he's it doesn't even be. name him anything so we wouldn't possibly know what he is and uh, uh they basically tell us that norman was you know they tried to tell us that they were going to go the more traditional green goblin route with norman by having him like mutate into a monster but instead he dies so uh, everything ends up being passed on to a much less charismatic actor. <laughs> yeah, at least in this role, like um, I don't know, like he, like the, and then the thing is, this movie focuses on this guy we don't really give a shit about because suddenly he's obsessed with getting Peter's blood because he know well Spider Man's blood because he thinks that's the cure that has the secret to his cure of his unnamed disease, and then he gets screwed over by by the stockholders and then felicia tells him that there might be a secret secret technology that's under um what's it called uh yeah there's like this secret like research and development department that might have also the tools he needs and i guess that's like what you do when you're rich you just write everything off in r and really like you it, it is nothing more than a sinister six factory down there you like, see they, Doc Ock's arms. Yes. You see the glider and the hobgoblin suit. There was there was a couple of things. You see, um, fuck. You see the rhino armor. You see mm-hmm. Vulture's wings. Like you see a <laughs> lot of shit. And yeah, you're just it's like, oh, oh, look at this fucking evil guy lair that's gonna play in the Amazing Spider-Man three. Yeah, it is. I. You know, this movie, watching it again, this movie does the bullshit that I swore was going to happen when Spider-Man went into the MCU. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest worries I had when Spider-Man went into the MCU was that they were going to all, hey, look, all of a sudden, here's this other stuff you didn't know about. And just basically try to cram a bunch of shit in there that made no sense. Mm -hmm. And watching this makes me want to give Spider-Man Homecoming, which we've never reviewed for this podcast, but maybe we should. It, want, it makes me want to give that movie a ton of fucking credit because mm-hmm. that movie literally took the end of Avengers 2012. It turned it into the origin for a Spider-Man villain. Yeah. And it also like made you think about the aftermath of a movie that you, know, you may not have thought about for a very long time. Whereas mm-hmm. like this one is basically telling you that Norman Osborn is dead. And while he was alive, he was preparing to create the entire spider rogues gallery and, <laughs> and of course, for, for no reason other than apparently he just wanted to obliterate everyone on earth somehow. Yeah. Cause the, you know, all those are supposed to be R and D weapons. And it's like, what fucking military in the world is going to pay for soldiers to have Dr. Octopus arms. I also like how they like just gloss over the fact that like, Oscorp's image has taken a dive because <laughs> one of their scientists literally tried turning the city of New York into lizards in the last movie. <laughs> you know what the funniest part is their answer to that is to just dissolve all the genetics programs. Apparently, <laughs> they're like, no, we are done experimenting with animals. We promise. And of course, the answer is to kill all the animals they've been experimenting on. <laughs> 
so that's actually where Harry finds the he finds the venom for the for the genetically altered spiders. He ends up taking it uh, while after he releases uh, Electro. So he goes back to Raven. Uh, I was about to say Ravenloft, but that's from a uh, that's from Dungeons and Dragons. He goes back to Ravencroft after he's ousted as the CEO of Oscorp. Uh, he ends up convincing Max to help him. Max, Max Dill ends up murdering like a lot of people on their way out, as well as a lot of people at Oscorp. And then the standing CEO, I do like the scene where they end up killing him, and then uh, Electro brings him back like by giving him a EKG shot. And then after that, that's when um, that's when uh, Harry gives Electro kind of free roam to go around the city's power grid. Meanwhile, he takes uh, he takes the acting CEO down to this like monster factory. He gets shot up full of Spider-Man juice, and instead of it curing him, it just starts mutating him into a monster. And this is where we, you know, he puts on the suit that was meant to be for another super soldier suit that was meant to like heal him if he gets into combat. So then the tech from the suit works with the with the venom of the spiders and it stabilizes them into this weird monster thing that he's mutating into. Yeah, this and all is... Remember when they said this was going to be a more grounded take on Spider-Man? Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, we have gone way <laughs> more into stuff that Raimi wasn't even messing with. Even the Raimi 1 and 2 villains were much more grounded than this. They didn't have anybody who morphed into a lizard and tried to turn the city to lizards. They didn't have Electro the way that they do here. They didn't have, like, you know... And I get it. You want to make something a bit more comics accurate. It just feels so left turn. It feels less explained. This universe... Again, it's one that I just don't care about as much as the, mm -hmm. the original series. And even though I like this Peter Parker and Spider-Man character, I just don't like anything happening around them. Yeah, and the, um, it's just not enough to keep you interested. And there's just not enough of him in it. Like, yeah. it feels way too much. Like they're just trying to force, like they're trying to wrap up this parent storyline because they obviously started something that they have zero interest in in concluding in a satisfying way. Mm -hmm. Um, they they brought you know you get Sally Field that comes back as Aunt May, and this is the least amount of Aunt May I've ever seen in a movie. Like, and poor Aunt May and poor Sally Field for coming back to do this because she literally is like brought into this movie to do to be nothing but to look stupid because you know it's obviously and 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 I think the only thing that kind of rescues it a little bit is the fact that she implies at the end of the movie that she might know that he's Spider-Man. But at the same time, I can't tell. And mm -hmm. uh, and I'm glad, like, I'm glad that the new series, like, in May knows Peter's Spider-Man. Like, it just, mm -hmm. I don't like the May not knowing. I know it's a part of the comics, but it's just, like, there's certain parts that just, it... it it's goofy. I, I, like, I feel like it just, it wouldn't fly, it doesn't fly today, and this movie just, like, points out how much it just doesn't fly <laughs> have you finished spider-man 2018 the video, the video game? game yes yes i have oh and that has to that is the best reveal of aunt may always knowing that he was spider -Man. absolutely and, and you know it, it's like that's what you need you need to do it in a way like that 
Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I think that game, to be honest, <laughs> that game is better than any of these two movies. <laughs> oh, 100%. In terms of a Spider-Man really- story. You could have turned this into a movie and it would have shit all over this franchise. Exactly. <laughs> you could turn that game into the movie. Like, it was perfect. But um, I do agree. I hate the fact that Aunt May doesn't know because it makes it like Peter can make his life so much easier by just telling her he's Spider-Man. And um, and then pretty much I hate that the fact that his pretty his story arc while Harry is you know becoming a fucking monster is that he fucks off, becomes really sad, and then like just stalks um Gwen Stacy for like an hour, and then uh and then he's just there to argue with Aunt May. Like, like mm-hmm. I won't lie. Maybe some of Sally Fields is like at least best acting in this movie is that scene where she like gets really tired of Peter's shit about Richard <laughs> when they're in his room and she's like, no, she goes, I'm sorry, I'm not one of your, uh, and you know, I'm not, I was going to do it in the Long Island accent, but I'm fucking terrible and I haven't been out of California nearly enough to justify doing that. <laughs> but you know, like she has that scene where she's yelling and she's just like, Look, I know I'm not a fucking genius like you or or your dad was, but I was there. I was there to to raise you when he wasn't. He just abandoned you. And as far as I'm concerned, you're my boy. Like mm-hmm. you I I raised you. I love you. And you know, like I really I really like that part because I really thought they were going to try to lean into like, no, well Peter is his father's son and do all this weird shit. But I love that he like consoles her and he's like, no, I hear you. You're right. He consoles her and he says that he hears her. But man, do they feel distant? Mm-hmm. They feel and, and I have more sympathy for her because like he like he really does feel like everything else matters way more than she does. Oh, to him. 100%. Like you don't even get the like he's buying eggs for her in this movie anymore. Like he's just there like to argue with her about laundry uh basically like kind of blow her off and gaslight her about not being spider-man he has a gaslighter it's just i mean it's just like he basically just ignores her and doesn't give her as much attention as he probably should because he's actually living in her house and um sure maybe peter parker loves Aunt may in this movie but it's just the action is not there you know and it just doesn't it, it i i don't feel their relationship in this so the one bit i think that this is all driving us to is the entire emotional arc of this movie you know hey we have five million different characters that are stuffed into one movie but don't forget still this is the movie where we are building up to the death of gwen stacy during this final like it's it's electro and spider-man they're fighting at the power grid and before that it's like the scene of peter you know because okay besides all the green goblin stuff that we're talking about now there's also the side story that gwen stacy's going off to oxford as you mentioned Mm. and they are like breaking up and getting back together and they meet in a closet at oscorp like where gwen is like kind of helping peter find out who this max dylan guy is that you know apparently disappeared who she knew who he was and yeah apparently who he was i do like the detail that both of them are like the only characters that know max exists and is a human being mm-hmm. 
and but it's it, what it's coincidentally what, he's trying to kill them both by the end of the movie <laughs> right yeah but anyway they so they both like uh somehow discovered together that he is electro um and the you know but besides that you know there's the whole will she won't she go to oxford and it looks like she's going to and then she leaves him a voicemail, which, you know, much like the valedictorian speech is the, hey, guess what? I'm still dying. Um, <laughs> the reminder that this is something that's happening. And, yeah, uh, because she straight up tells him that she <clears throat> loves him and she always will. And I'm like, oh, you are so dead. Yeah. So it's like she's stuck in traffic. She gets out because apparently Spider-Man is out there and everyone's looking at Spider-Man. And he like <laughs> draws I love you in web on this new york bridge such a 500 days of summer fucking moment and (laughs) i see exactly what you're saying that yeah yeah this is definitely the same guy that gave us 500 days of summer this is the only thing in this movie that felt 500 days of summer to me like in the other one i felt that they were trying to force some of that like that stuff in there but these like I, I don't know if it's that the actors didn't feel that comfortable with each other and maybe because they were actually dating at this time the chemistry is way better in this mm-hmm. uh for these two actors um so it's like you get that i kind of like it i guess you know it's 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 you can get invested in it, but the problem is that the movie's so much about other stuff that's not them at the same time that again we're talking about this as like in a side at the end of this episode <laughs> your, and it's your main character's love plot is actually like a side story in this movie right. this movie might as well have been called the making of fucking hobgoblin or some shit. right so it's like you know yeah we get this and and this is peter's way of like getting Gwen and both of them are getting back together and he's like well I'm gonna go to London with you obviously not gonna happen I'm gonna follow you wherever obviously also not gonna happen Mm. and then right as that's happening that's when we get the final like you know uh, Electro creates a blackout throughout the entire city you get one more scene where May actually exists and does something (laughs) in the hospital trying to help uh, you know during the power outage Um, oh yeah you find out that she's been like taking nursing classes and working as a do- like a nurse in the ER like at nights or some shit because good she's for her. To- she, just, she doesn't need men in her life especially negligent <laughs> well it, except that that's her whole arc is that I don't know how I'm doing this without Ben right <laughs> she says on several occasions and you know what's really funny is that all of these characters are dealing with loss and it's just you don't spend enough time even thinking about it. You know, Harry yeah. has the, the loss of his father. Peter still dealing with the loss of his uncle and his father. May, the loss of her husband. Uh, Gwen, the loss of her father. Gwen's family, the loss of their father. And then eventually their daughter. <laughs> and this movie is just such a machine gun of like different plot lines that it doesn't like it doesn't give you enough time to really care about it but you what, know, am I, what am i supposed to do angel am i supposed to go to fucking therapy for like 10 years when i can just get bitten by a spider and punch stupid robots in the face <laughs> so Fuck the that. scene the the end battle scene that's got peter fighting electro you know it's good it's a good it's a good end battle scene you get like you know cgi it, obviously yeah tons of cgi it feels less interesting than than the than the i don't know none of this stuff feels as good as any of that raimi stuff 
you know, the ending fight with Green Goblin and the ending fight with uh, Doc Ock, those things are way more interesting to me. Uh, Even they the were... end fight with Sandman and, uh, and Venom in Spider-Man 3. No, this felt more like Venom to me. It, 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 like, you know, it was a side character like on your way to a god because even in that movie it's like you still had like harry osborn as like a hobgoblin like character in spider-man 3 also so this felt so spider-man 3 in this ending to me um and you're like okay well obviously gwen's not gonna die here because in comics it's the green goblin that kills her so clearly it's gonna be harry that kills her 100 or she's going to die during that battle scene so they get the scene where, you know, well, that's the biggest mystery. They don't know if you never really know if Gwen died from the fall or if she died from uh, having her neck broken when Peter finally gets her with the web. Mm. And that's the one thing Marvel's actually been really good about, not like just going one way or the other about. Um, except in this movie, it's very obvious that it was kind of the uh, it was kind of because of the web. <laughs> I mean, he killed her trying to save her. She was gonna die one way or the other. She's either gonna hit her head against the floor after falling, or her neck snaps when she gets the web. And like, she would have died. The fall would have killed her, and snapping her neck would have killed her at the same time. So it's 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 kind of a lose lose. I don't, you know, I don't. I think I don't think about it very much because because it's just so matter of fact in that way. Um, but yeah, like like you were saying, Harry shows up and immediately goes into super villain mode after they defeat Electro, and he says he wants to take away Peter's hope since Peter stole his, which leads us into a fight in the weird clock tower. Um, and as Gwen like falls, you're always like Peter keeps saving her until finally, right at the end, he's not able to, and she ends up snapping her neck and. You know, she dies as Peter holds her. We get a scene of... I give them lots of credit for doing it this way. Because it's brutal. Like, the snap of her head and the sudden stop of the music that happens. Oh, there, like, yeah, there is no long, drawn-out, Peter, I love you uh, moment. Yeah, it's, there's nothing emotional about it. But it's just so jarring because it's so matter-of-fact. And just like in real life, man. Like, yes. And I actually do like it when, when those moments do happen in these movies and these superhero movies. Uh, because you're so used to like these long drawn out like scenes and these over the top characters that something like that does help ground it back into reality. As fucking, as fucking hard as it is to like be able to watch someone die, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so after that... They cut to, they cut to um, Gwen's, Gwen's funeral. funeral. Got, you know, and again, as I just mentioned, you know, this poor family, <laughs> they have to deal with so much loss, like in mm-hmm. just the, the couple of years that like, these movies take place in. Like, if you're going to tell me that the older Stacy kid doesn't grow up to become a villain that wants to kill Spider-Man, <laughs> I would call you a liar, okay? Because I think if anyone is justified in becoming a villain, it's that kid. <laughs> oh my god so after that peter goes into like a deep depression where he he stops being spider-man for essentially like five months uh meanwhile crime in the city goes up 
Um, and at this point, they really do a good job of like hammering the point that you know New York does need Spider Man, and um, you know he has that moment where he talks to Aunt May about uh, putting putting stuff away, putting stuff away that belonged to Ben. And not necessarily forgetting about it, but understanding that she needs it in a different way. Um, and that it's okay to let things go. Like that, you know, and 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 you know, she she kind of gives Peter that that um nudge to kind of start going through his stuff, the stuff he has for um for uh Gwen. And as he's like looking through Gwen's stuff and looking through his dad's stuff, he ends up finding a recording of her a valedictorian speech uh talking about hope and yeah because that's what revolutions are based on right (laughs) 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 but she ends up inspiring him he ends up uh he ends up taking down all the pictures of him and gwen just leaving home one of them kind of like sleeping which I was like, then who took the picture? You blind pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so cute. Like, yeah, like, I'm like, sleeping. oh, fuck off. Uh, <laughs> young and a, in love. Eat go my make a, Go make a TikTok, you young people. <laughs> <laughs> we're so angry and bitter. <laughs> but yeah, it actually doesn't bother me. It's just, it's nah, just so funny. It's just, fun, yeah. it's just fun to tease it. So he ends up putting all his pictures of Gwen on the inside of his closet, a new place he can, he can have it at. He can still see it. And, of course, he remembers who he is. He's the goddamn Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would have loved if that's what he said. I'm the goddamn Spider-Man. <laughs> so he ends up putting on the Spider-Man costume. Um, after hearing about Alexi from the oh wait, we also get treated to a scene of uh Harry at Raven at Ravencroft uh, with another him. shadowy figure that comes to visit him. So you're telling me that wasn't Norman in the first movie? Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a Norman, the Norman character in the first movie does not look like the actor who ends up playing him in this second movie. Uh, but this guy is all right. It's going to be some other mystery guy that I guess we're going to find out in some nebulous third movie. God. And, and uh, Harry is putting together the Sinister Six, is what this is implying. Pretty much. And they, they break out Alexi so they can give him the rhino suit. Mind you, I, this is still like 10 minutes of movie after Gwenda. Dude, <laughs> too much after. It's like, okay. Yes, you did the ending right. You did the the death of her right in, in many ways because it is brutal. It was sudden. It lingered long enough that like you know you you got to watch like the scene of him discovering that she's dead and like going through the denial and then realizing that it happened. That stuff is brutal. It is raw. It's tragic. But then it's like all this other shit that they're spending time on minimizes the impact of all of that. Like by by just so, such a significant amount that you're not even thinking about it anymore because this movie is just so frantically jumping to the next like to set up the next three or four movies in in a universe that never comes to fruition anyway. It's a, <clears throat> this movie's a kid hopped up like a kid with ADHD hopped up on like <laughs> sweet tarts just trying to tell you spitball these stories. Um, it's kind of a bookend because the the first you know the first fight is is of course uh pre Rhino you know Alexi Alexi and as like you know the truck driver 
for the not plutonium <laughs> and now it's like you know he's back trying to take his revenge on everyone in this giant rhino suit and uh you know you get the kid who wants to step up for spider-man not quite the if you gotta go if you want to get to him you gotta go through us kind of thing but close it is like a version of that in this movie uh, <laughs> the rhino was lucky joey diaz was there to beat his ass <laughs> um yeah, so there, you know, Spider-Man does end up returning and uh, tells New York that he's there with them and he's back with them and all that stuff is home, blah, blah, blah. Then you get what you think is going to be another fight. And uh, no, it's just the end of the movie. You'll never see that rhino fight. Fuck you. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you thought this was going to lead to something, you fucking nerd? <laughs> and yeah, that's the movie. <laughs> that is the movie that is the wet fart of an ending it <laughs> is a dumb ending a dumb ending it's like you know like like yes i'll I've give seen... them props they forego the obligatory spider-man swinging through new york and ending on an american flag like <laughs> the raimi versus <laughs> I mean, they should have had just Chad Kroger blasting Hero the entire time. <laughs> but it's such a stupid non-ending because you're like, they thought you were going to get Amazing Spider-Man 3 so hard. Yeah. And uh, it, they really didn't. And even then, I think they, they there was those Sony email leaks that happened either a year or a couple years later. And even then... They, you know, the in those leaks, it looked like Sony had realized how poorly this was received, and they were already starting to enter talks with Marvel about, like, you know, putting Spider Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, uh, yeah, it just doesn't lead anywhere. This is literally a uh, dead franchise, uh, that you know, they they tried, they tried to do it again, you know, they weren't gonna do it with Tobey Maguire and Sam Raimi, like, all of those people had gotten old. All those people decided they didn't want to do it anymore. And uh, even though Raimi did want to do a Spider-Man 4, the studio by that point didn't want any anything of the new ideas. And it became its own thing. And uh, yeah, they tried it again. And, and at least by the second one, they realized how it, was, it had failed. And it just wasn't interesting enough. Despite the fact that it was very well casted. Mm-hmm. You know, the casting in these movies has been really good. The characterizations and the writing has not been good and it just feels too much like instead of being something that's unique and its own it's been chasing other movies uh whether it be the dark knight franchise from for that first one or this one where it really did feel like they wanted to go back to raimi in some ways without you know saying oh we're gonna do like a bit more of a serious version of that and it just it just doesn't work it's not interesting enough and uh the writing just isn't it's not good enough to do all the things it wants to do. It's not good enough to be a Nolan clone. It's not good enough to be a Raimi clone. And it's right. just like a middle of the way for both. And Marvel it's deserves its credit because Marvel does this very well, introducing characters during movies. And this movie does not do it well. This movie, I know. This movie is way too busy. And if nothing else makes me appreciate what Marvel has done. I think that this adventure does very, does, you know, no, not much more than, just make me glad that that this found its way to, to the Marvel Cinematic Universe because I think that that movie had like that series has really found like a personality and a world of its own 
within a larger Marvel verse. Mm-hmm. And I just think that the idea of all these different characters, it fits in there better. And I think a studio that is just dedicated to nothing more than than superhero franchises, like just they 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 can dedicate the resources to making these things make sense and the kind of like television quality to their movies or you know serialized uh, quality to their to their movies just works a lot better with this with the idea of building out a spider-man universe and we also have the animated into the spider-verse stuff that is fantastic and we're gonna get more of so uh i guess the last question is javi do you like the amazing spider-man 2 no i did not (laughs) no i did not And that being said, I always try to find something that I do like. And it's like, yeah, there are little, there's snippets of things that I do like that can be interesting. I love that first Spider-Man Electro fight in Times Square. I got to see the couple times we did see Gwen and Peter together. I thought that was interesting. But overall, like I mentioned, this movie's trying to do 200 million things all at once and none of them are done well. Yeah. So it just kind of really overshadows the things that are good, you know? Um, yeah. But the, how do you feel? Do you like this movie? No, I didn't. And I do think that while it's not as universally derided and memed as Spider-Man 3, I think it's worse than Spider-Man 3. I Just because as dumb as the shit that in Spider-Man 3 is and as hilarious as some of it is, this doesn't even have like the comedic appeal in it. Mm-hmm. It's just It was just long. It was long and you just didn't care about it and it just it was too far up its own ass for like a good portion of the movie so that even the stuff that you do like you know peter and gwen uh you know the emotional like impact of gwen's death like the immediate emotional impact of gwen's death um you know the kind of like peter learning how to reconcile like you know just how he's feeling once he discovers the stuff from his father like you know there's enough good stuff in it but there's just there's too much other stuff that's not good in it and it just doesn't it's not worthwhile uh going through it again for me (laughs) i I am i am done with the amazing spider-man universe and i don't know that i ever will want to watch these movies again after the go from sam raimi spider-man 2 straight into homecoming (laughs) absolutely i you know like i agree it's just it's it's there's nothing worth coming back to it uh and just isn't there's nothing good enough to make you want to review these movies again so uh glad we did it for this episode because you know people complain about us watching too many things we like so we decided to watch some of the bad stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna start hating things out of spite. Like, and, I can't uh, wait till you talk about No Way Home. I tell you how much that movie sucked. Oh uh, no, I have a like. I texted you. I said, you know, th- we've had such a poo poo platter for the past two weeks of Amazing Spider Man that like No Way Home is gonna feel like Godfather two level storytelling compared mm-hmm. to this. Uh, no. All right, so we'd like to thank you guys for joining us for this episode. Uh, please continue to interact with us on social media. Uh, please uh, download our episodes on Apple Podcasts. Leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Download us there or on other platforms of your choice. And uh, we can't wait to return for our next episode and uh, possibly last episode of the year uh, where we will be discussing uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, a movie that everyone is going to see. And I'm very excited i'm excited this is this is uh 
the hype for this movie has been real. And unlike <laughs> Avengers movies, where I was absolutely over it and had no interest in it, Spider-Man is the one the character, and I talk about it when we even did Batman Begins. Spider-Man, the and one and two were the movies that got me into comic book movies and made me come back to Batman Begins because I hadn't even seen that movie in theaters. I had to watch it when it was rented. And the Spider-Man movies were what made comic book movies cool again after Batman and Robin <laughs> was so bad. So uh, I've always had a wonderful like relationship with the Spider-Man movies. I'm very excited to see this new one. And I think the hype for me is at all time high levels. I'm going to enjoy this uh, because, you know, again, Spider-Man isn't like something that I read a bunch of or have too much of an emotional connection with the character. So if it's bad, it's bad, whatever. But I think it's going to be great. It, everything looks really we'll have good. fun watching it. I, yeah, it's going to be good. I, they, they, you know, this is the same studio that did Avengers and Avengers is good. So uh, I will go into it with open arms. I think I scared Jose earlier today when I was, when we were texting in the group chat and I said that uh, if one of the five spider people in No Way Home don't <laughs> go to Brooklyn and ask for a chopped cheese the Aki way, that I was going to fight them. <laughs> <fight. laughs> and then my favorite part is he responds, five, is there spoilers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please, like, please. Also, by the way, those of you, I'm not watching it premiere night. Uh, do not spoil it for your friends. Yeah, Avoid Twitter if you can. Let me spoil it for your friends when I tell them that Mary Jane dies. Oh, but which Mary Jane? Because it's a multiverse. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys next time. Later, y'all.